In the last couple of years, uh, my good friend of, of 18 years, Father Mike Schmitz, another Minnesota guy. And by the way, how did you get Bob Dylan in this city? He's a Minnesota boy. Man, when I found that out, and there's people at the airport, they're standing taking pictures of the Bob Dylan pictures, you know, and I'm like, hey, he's from Minnesota. <laughs> so if I was staying longer, I would, I would go there, you know, I would make a pilgrimage to that place. But uh, Father Mike and I have uh, been uh, doing pilgrimages for years. Next June, we're doing one to the Holy Land. And uh, so we, we've been really good friends. We've been very, very good friends. In about uh, October, no, about uh, August of 2020. Yeah, August of 2020. Father says, well, let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast and take the Great Adventure Bible Study, which you're going to be going into, and take the reading plan, which is a three-month reading plan to get through the 14 narrative books, and let's just stretch it out, and we'll read the whole Bible in a year. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm not sure people are into that, but we'll do that. That, that, ought, to, that ought to be good. So we started organizing it and we started taping like a month or two ahead of time and and uh, we decided what he would do and what what I would do and and then uh, January 2021 rolled around I'll be honest with you I totally forgot <laughs> I totally forgot that we did a show I do other shows you know as well and I forgot that we did that and then on January 2nd my producer called and said are you sitting down and I said yeah, well, why? And she said, you're number one in the country. And I said, number one what? <laughs> she said, uh, num number one what? And I literally went, number one what? And I was hoping she was going to say the Jeff Cavan show. <laughs> and um, and uh, and so I thought that's what she was going to say, you know, and she said, Bible in a year. And I said, wow, that's, that's pretty neat. You know, top religion podcast. And she said, no, everything, every category, it's number one. Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan, I don't know, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton, all, all the rest of them, n number one, Oprah, all of it, you know, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so we went online and we looked. Sure enough, there was the picture. And I thought, whoa. And it stayed number one for like 20 days in January. And we, got, we started to get calls from CBS, NBC, ABC, New York Times. Um, we're getting Fox, CNN. Everybody wants to know, how did this happen? So we're getting these interviews. And there's one, we want to ask you, um, how, did, how did you guys uh, do this? And did you know that this was, was going to happen? And we're like, we don't know. We don't know how this happened. We honestly don't know how it happened. And so we, you know, I mean, besides Father Mike's brain and my good looks, other than that, I, we don't know. So, so all we could do was come to the conclusion that it was a Lord. The Lord was doing something. In the midst of all of the confusion going on, people are looking for two things. They're looking for a brighter future and someone to trust. 
And they can't find it in Hollywood. They can't find it in Washington. They can't find it in network news. And so people are searching. And then suddenly these two Catholic guys say, let's read the Bible. <laughs> and it goes to number one in the country. And then this last January, it happened again. And we were number one in 27 countries. So, and what you're going to be doing here is you're going to be introducing the Great Adventure Bible Study, which if you've gone through Bible in a year, you'll know, you've heard Father Mike say, that's the study that changed his life. That's the study that gave him the idea to let's, let's do this, this Bible in a year. And so I'm so happy to hear that you're going to be doing it because when you study the Bible, you're going to discover not only who God is, but you're going to understand his plan for your life. And if you can understand the heart of your father and his plan for your life, why then you have a foundation on which you can trust. You have a solid foundation, the sense of certitude in your life. You'll know who you are. You wake up in the morning and you know that you're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you can follow him and you can, you can be a changed person. You can be bold and you can do things that you never thought you would do. You can talk to people you never thought you would talk to. And you can, you can say things you never thought you would say. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight is I want to talk to you about the art of evangelization and sharing Christ with other people. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But then tomorrow, uh, we're going to be talking about discipleship. And I'm going to be talking about what did it mean to be a disciple in the first century? What was the rabbi-disciple relationship? And what did your life look like? And then we're going to talk about the shape of your day. And does your life, does your life really look like the life of a disciple. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? We're going to look at that, and we're also going to talk about the place of suffering in a disciple's life. And for people who are going through something in their life right now, we're going to talk about how that can be turned into redemptive suffering, and it can make a huge difference in your family's life, your grandchildren, and so forth. So we got a big schedule tomorrow. We're really, 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 really happy about that. You know, I was thinking, I saw Father Stewart there just a moment ago. He's from Wisconsin. How many of you knew that? <laughs> Wisconsin is right next to Minnesota. <laughs> right there. And uh, I, I got, that got me thinking, you know, because there's been this, this movement in Oklahoma to try to get a professional football team to Oklahoma. <laughs> Sooner fans will not have it. They say, we're better than that. We don't even need a, a, a you know, professional team and whatever else is represented here. And, uh, and they said, uh, they tried to get it. And the, the, finally, the ruling came out of it last week. I don't know if you heard about it. They said, it, they said, there will not be a professional football team in Oklahoma because if we give, the commissioner said, if we give a professional football team to Oklahoma, Wisconsin will want one too. So it's a true story. I'm just telling you the way it is, okay? I, I just, I'm a, I report, you decide, all right? <laughs> all right, so I'd like to open up. Uh, oh, I, I wanted to share this with you because I always forget. My wife says to me, Jeff, you always forget to tell people what you're doing. 
And um, uh, not only do we have Bible in a year and then the weekly on every Friday, the Jeff Caven Show, which is a half an hour of real practical, you know, discipleship and Bible type of podcast. But since January 8th, you might want to write that date down, January 8th, because that was my birthday. <laughs> From that day on, I've been doing a, a daily show. Sorry for that. I've been doing a daily show uh, every day with Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus on The Chosen. And that's on the Hallow app. How many of you listen to that? Uh, 18 of you. Well, so uh, they want me to tell you that if you want to go to hallow.com forward slash Jeff Cavins, they'll give you three months absolutely free. And you can check it out. And I'm having a blast with it. He reads the gospel, or I should say, Jesus reads the gospel every day. And then I give some reflection on it. You know, let me tell you what he meant. Okay. And, and I love it because it gives me an opportunity every day to, to be uh, practical and real every single day with the gospel. And that's on hallow.com. So if my wife calls, tell her, he said it. He told you what, what's going on. Oh, boy, I got so much more I could tell you, but I have a talk to do. So I wanted to open with prayer, and then we're going to talk about something that I think is so lacking in Catholic's life and so needed in Catholic's life and so needed in the world today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us life. We thank you for dying for us and bringing us to yourself as disciples. Lord, you have called us to, to be conformed to your image. You have called us to become like you, to live like you, to speak like you, and to treat others the way you treat others. You've called us to pick up your, your mission and walk with it. When you ascended to the Father and sat down, the baton was in our lap. And it's our time to do what you called us to do, to share you with the world. We thank you for leading us and guiding us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, I want to talk to you this evening um, about this topic that I think is one of the most needed topics in the church today. And I'm going to just share it with you with a passion because I have a passion for it. And that is sharing Christ with other people. Uh, being an evangelizer, someone who can share the Lord with neighbors, co-workers, extended family, someone you meet in parking lot. To be able and to be equipped to share with people no matter where we're at. In the world today, when you turn on Fox or CNN or MSNBC or any of the evening news, you know as well as I do, our country is very confused right now. We are in a very difficult situation in our country in terms of trust. What, what, what can we depend on? We feel a bit insecure with, with uh, reports that we hear, you know, FBI, DOJ, White House, Trump, Biden, on and on. And after a while, uh, if you're like me, you kind of get sick of it. 
It's like, is this really the, the story of the world today? And uh, the Queen of England just passed away, and, and that uh, to some is almost a reprieve. It's like, I can think about something else that's good, this lady's life. And we remember her and uh, her family in our prayers at this time as well. But the world right now is, is making a decision. What are they going to do with their life? What are they going to put their trust in? And you and I, as disciples of Jesus, as Catholics, as believers, we've got the opportunity right now to, to share with the world what they're looking for, and that is Jesus. But I got to tell you, my friends, we as Catholics, generally speaking, do a terrible job of sharing Christ with people. I said to my wife about seven years ago, we were at the Easter vigil in a big church that had about, I don't know, 3,500 families or something like that. And there were 3,500 families in the Easter vigil, of course, is when people come into the church, right? They're dressed in white and they're baptized. And I remember the pastor said, well, you know, the catechumens, please rise. And they, they rose and they came forward. And out of 3,500 families in this church, three people were coming into the church. Two of them married a Catholic and had to. I'm just saying, I'm telling you the truth. They, 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 married, they married a Catholic, and the mother-in-law wanted them to be Catholic, and so they went through the RCI program. The third one read a Scott Hahn book. Now, here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. I'm just being honest with you. We call this church growth. That's what we call it. That's church growth. That after one whole year of all of us receiving the Eucharist and going to Mass, Bible studies, Catholic radio, EWTN, conferences, after one year, most people never shared one time with someone outside the church. And the statistics show that people who are what I would call uber-Catholics, which I'll talk about tomorrow, can go their whole life after reading and conferences and so forth and never once bring one person to Christ and into the church. Now, if we were a Fortune 500 company, we'd all be fired. We would. I'm just telling you, they'd all be fired. You know, you get a new CEO and say, what's the deal? What's the deal? How come all of us have been given this, this command by the Lord to go into the world and make disciples, and, and we're, not, we're not doing it for the most part? We're not doing it. Well, I think there's a, a couple of reasons for that. One is that many Catholics, it might sound funny in a way, but it's very true, many Catholics don't know they're supposed to talk to people about Jesus. I grew up in an average American Catholic home in Minnesota, and that was never a concept. I grew up, if my parents would have said, Jeff, are you telling people about Jesus at school? I would have said, what? <laughs> What are you talking about? Are you, are you telling people, at, you know, at, at uh, uh, 
Honeywell? <laughs> you know about Jesus? No. And so it wasn't part of our culture at all, this idea that I would share Christ with somebody else. But the second thing is, is that we don't get taught how to do it. How do I share with other people? What do I share? But at the same time, our non-denominational friends, which I pastored a non-denominational church for 12 years, and 60% of our congregation were former Catholics. 60%. And we thought it was the easiest thing in the world to get Catholics to leave the church and come and follow Jesus with us. Our friends around Tulsa, our non-denominational friends, which I'm very aware, I've come to many conferences in Tulsa when I used to be a pastor, they're very big in sharing Christ with other people. And it's nothing to have a couple hundred people come into their church every year and give their lives to the Lord. But that's partly because they're taught and the people have a sense of urgency and, and, and also a command from the Lord to do so. So what I want to do this evening is share with you a little bit about, about how we go about sharing Christ with other people. I'll give you some examples of it, and I will go into what is, what is considered the gospel, the good news that we are told by Jesus to go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel. But I'm also going to tell you some of the excuses that we use, which are kind of funny in a way, but I'm gonna show you, uh, talk to you a little bit about some of the excuses that we use, and then it's like clay pigeons. We're gonna put those excuses up there and just boom, right out of the sky. Because we, my friends, have to stop making excuses. And we have to do what Jesus called us to do. So what I wanna do first of all is I wanna share with you what the good news is that we are gonna share with other people. And I'm gonna give you some examples of doing this and real life examples of how this happened and what the results were and how easy it is. I was telling some, some of my brothers in the Lord here earlier about how easy it is to talk to people about Jesus. It is so easy to talk to people about Jesus. And when I talk to people about Jesus, do you know what? I never use Bible verses. I never use catechism paragraphs. I don't speak in Latin. <laughs> and I don't use any meta language from the church. I don't ask them if they would like to come with me and spend an, a holy hour in sitting before the real presence of Christ in the monstrance. They're going, you're like, what did you say? <laughs> and so when we share Christ with people, I'm sharing out of an experience that I have had an experience with Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. I'm not, the I'm not just a theological man who now I think theologically in a correct way. He has impacted my life, changed my life, changed my marriage. And being a father, he's changed everything about my life. The way I spend money, what I watch on television, the friends that I make, how I talk about people. Everything has been changed because of Jesus. And there's a joy in my heart when I wake up in the morning. And every single morning, my wife and I, she's on the same page. Every morning we get up. I'll share more about this tomorrow, but we get up every single morning. And I go downstairs and I make her tea. 
And then about 15 minutes after that, she comes down the stairs and we drink tea. And then I grab the Bibles, put the Bibles there, and we do Lexio Divina, another meta word. We'd, <laughs> we're so filled with meta language. We do prayer and we pray the scriptures. And every single day, my wife and I spend at least an hour, usually an hour and a half together, reading scripture, praying about the gospel of the day, talking to each other about what this means to us, to our family. And God has given us so much joy in, in our life. I have so much to share with the world. And the world is dying to hear this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you what is the gospel? What is the gospel message? What is it that we actually share with people when we talk to them over the fence in the backyard or um, in front of Starbucks, which happened two days ago, and I'll share that with you, or at a family reunion or a class reunion or um, someone at work afterwards going to the bar and having a beer and they're talking to you. And they say, they talk about how their marriage is crumbling. And uh, my wife says she's going to leave me. And how do you respond, you know, to that? So let's start off, first of all, with what is the good news of Jesus Christ? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts, eight times in the book of Acts, has a structure of a speech five times by Peter, three times by, by, by Paul, a speech that is the proclamation of the gospel. And this proclamation of the gospel is the kerygma. Now, that's a big word, kerygma. But go ahead and say that once, kerygma. And now you're thinking to yourself, there is no way I'm going to remember that word, you know, in a week from now, but I'm going to make you a promise. You will. I promise you that by the end of tonight, you will never forget that word. Ever, ever, ever. I promise. Kerygma. And the kerygma is the proclamation of the gospel. And the kerygma is made up of seven things, really. And these seven things make up the spine or the structure of a conversation with someone who's hurt, someone who's seeking, somebody who is, is, is depressed, anxious, addicted, whose wife has left, they're broken. So I'm going to go through those seven points with you, but I also want you to know I am a mind reader in a good way, a saintly way. And I know what some of you are going to think when I tell you these seven things that make up the gospel in what we share with people. I know what you're going to think. And you're going to think, you're going to think, and you're going to nudge your spouse, and you're going to say, there's no way in purgatory. That's coming out of my mouth. That is not coming out of my mouth. And I even know the excuses you're going to use as to why it'll never come out of your mouth. But it will. <laughs> okay, so let's go through these seven real quick. And I'll even let you know the ones where you, that's where you're going to say, okay, boom, that was it. I'm not doing that. Okay. Number one. Number one. God 
loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. Okay, that's number one. God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. That's number one. Now, a lot of people say, I could kind of say that, you know, God loves you, Frank. <laughs> has a big plan for you. Speaking of plans, what are you doing this weekend? Fishing or, you know. So God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life, number one. Number two, sin has wrecked this plan. Sin has spoiled the plan. Now, some of you right there are saying, I don't say the word sin. You know, maybe mistake or boo-boo, but not sin. <laughs> okay, not sin. Now, we're going to get to why we need to say this in just a moment and the, and the urgency of it. But the second thing is sin has made a mess out of this plan. Okay. Number three, God loves you so much that he died for your sin. He loves you so much that Jesus Christ died for your sin. Number four, and this is usually the one right here. Number four now your response is you need to repent. And some of you are right to say, no, the, uh, repentance, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying repent at work. I'm not saying repent to my brother. Uh-uh. I'm not going to do that. So I agree with you. That word repentance, I don't even use the word repentance. The R word, you know. What I do is I use what the catechism says. And the catechism describes repentance this way, and I love it. And it's so easy to share with someone that it says in the catechism that repentance is a radical reorienting of your life to God. Isn't that good? I like that. I can say that all day long. Repentance is a radical reorienting of your life to God, turning it around, making the decision to follow Jesus. That's number four. Number five is to be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. To be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. You're baptized to deal with original sin. You are, you are brought into the family of God. Confirmation, you receive the Holy Spirit, the power to be a disciple of Jesus, the power to say what you never thought you'd say and to talk to people you never thought you would talk to. Listen, someone may say, well, Jeff, that's your gift. You know what? My dad went to my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Knight, for a council meeting, you know, like parent council. And Mr. Knight told my dad, that there are two things that Jeff will never do in his life. Number one, he'll never be a public speaker. That's what he told my dad, because I passed out three times when I had to get in front of the class. I hated to speak. I, I did, you know, I was like I was so nervous. And he said, the second thing Jeff will never do is he'll never be a writer. He told my dad that because my English was so bad. And so God will change your life through baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's number five. Number six 
is that you join and become one with the church, the family of God, a sacramental life, a place, a hospital, a place of healing, a place of fellowship, learning. And the last one, seven, full circle, you go out now and you make disciples. That's the entire story of the kerygma, the proclamation of the gospel. Let me, let me say it one more time, okay? Number one is God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. Number two, sin has made a mess out of this plan. Number three, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. Number four, he's asking you to radically reorient your life to him now and give your life to him. Number five, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Number six, join completely and be active in his family, the church. And then someday you're going to go out and you're going to make disciples yourself. That is the gospel. That's the message eight times, basically, that basic structure in the book of Acts. And that's the message that went out in the early church and radically changed the world. All of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and in Europe was evangelized with people just like you and me going out and sharing the truth with other people. Now, when I share those seven points with you, I know because I'm like you. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And, and it seems like so far away to be able to do that, to talk to somebody. But what I'm encouraging you to do is to take that outline and to take that outline and to not just repeat those words to someone, but to make it your own and share that idea that God loves you. Listen, God loves you, and God does have a plan for your life. And, and to be able to say to somebody who's hurting, broken, that if you're like me, sin has broken our lives. Now, the thing about that is, is that if I say that to someone, let's say I'm talking to a guy called John. Okay, I'm talking to John at, at Starbucks. And John's an acquaintance. We were together and leading our Girl Scout troop and something, and I hadn't seen him in five years. And we're, we're at uh, Starbucks and we're talking. And, and I, I'm able to, to say to him, he says to me, you know, I'm separated right now. And I don't want to be. But our lives just have been falling apart. And I say to him, John, listen, I want to share something with you. And I mean this from my, my heart. My life has radically been changed by Jesus Christ. And, and, and I want you to know, John, that God loves you. He really does. He loves you, John. And he has a plan that is better than your plan, better than my plan, better than anything that Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil could ever come up with. God has a plan for you. I can weave this into a conversation with him that can have an impact on his life. And people will ask, you know, they'll say, well, why would it have an impact on someone's life? And here's the answer. I gave you the seven things that that's the gospel and that's what changes hearts. That's what changes lives. And I know that, that people say, well, how do, Jeff, come on, those words just sound so simple. How does that change someone's heart? 
And the answer is this. Three times in the New Testament, it says that the Spirit confirmed the message. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, confirmed the message that they were sharing with John. The Holy Spirit was at work in the heart of John. When I shared the truth with John, the Holy Spirit confirmed it in his heart. So you see, what we're dealing with in evangelization these days, and I'll tell you what, you know, I, I can see it. I can see it in the future. I can see it where Catholic churches will have 100, 200 people coming into the church every year. I can see that in my mind's eye. You know that it was 25 years ago that I brought The Great Adventure to three publishers, and all three of them said no. And you know what they said for the reason? They said, number one, Jeff, it's too long. <laughs> I'm trying to tell the whole story of the Bible in 24 hours. It's too long. Number two, it's too deep. And number three, Catholics will never spend money on Bible studies. By the way, the bookstores are over here. Right after send them over. And I said to them, you're wrong. You are wrong because it's the story. It's his story. And if we tell his story, his story will resonate in the hearts of people. We just need storytellers to tell that story. And I've seen some of them at conferences now, and they're like, how are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. <laughs> and in the same way, I'm telling you, there's coming a time in the next three years, you're going to see a move of the Spirit of God in our country, in the Catholic Church, in the area of evangelization in the Eucharist. And there are plans right now one, the guy that I worked for in the Twin Cities, he's now the Bishop of Crookston, Minnesota, Bishop Andrew Cousins, has a plan now. And in 2024, there's going to be a Eucharistic procession from the East Coast on foot to Indianapolis, from the West Coast on foot to Indianapolis, from the South up and from the Canadian border down all meeting July 24th in 2024 in Indianapolis, and people, thousands upon thousands, are going to be bringing the Eucharist to the center of the country, and it's going to be a, an explosion that's going to take place. And I believe that God's preparing people right now to be able to share Christ with, with other people with other people. But let me get back to the point. And the point is this, that when you weave that into a conversation with someone, which everybody can do here, you don't have to know scriptures, you don't have to know catechism, you don't have to know Latin or Greek or Hebrew. And, you're, and you can even say it with a, a, a Tulsa accent. <laughs> you can say it as Roy D. Marstar, you know? <laughs> Geraldine. Geraldine will witness. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Roy D. Mercer's not afraid to tell people about Jesus. I'll tell you that right now. So, the Holy Spirit confirms the message. Now, I got to tell you, 
I shared this up in uh, Ontario. I was part of a motorcycle gang. It's a true story. I'm not lying about that. We would ride our Harley Davidsons about 7,000 miles in two and a half weeks. And I would stop at a church every other night and I would teach. We would ride up with our bikes, leathers, get off there, come into the church with all of this, put our helmets down, and I would talk for an hour. And then afterwards we had a barbecue. And we went all over the country. And this one, this time we went up to Montreal from Minneapolis. And I stopped and spoke at a church about sharing Christ in the new evangelization. And afterwards, these two guys came up to me and they, they had just converted to the church like a year earlier. And uh, they came up and, and they were shaking hands and they said, oh, Mr. Cavins, really love that message. That was dynamite. That was really, really good. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And, and they said, but can, can we talk to you just for a second? And I, and I said, sure. And they gave that look like this was something going down. They kind of looked around, you know, like, And I'm like, what? And they said, um, <clears throat> we really liked it. You know, the charisma and those seven things. Really liked it. But we're just not sure. We're just not sure that people today are going to receive that kind of thing. It's so simple. You know what I mean? And I'm like, uh-huh. I like to play with people's minds a little bit. So I'm like, yeah. And they said, we just wanted to know, is, is there another way to put it? <laughs> and I said, well, that's an interesting question. Is there another way to put it? So let me, let me just think about that for a second. I walked over like this. Look back at them and they're looking at me and I'm thinking, you know, Thought for about three or four minutes. I walked back. I said, uh, no. <laughs> and they're like, no. I said, no. I said, guys, let's do this. Let's do the first point. I'll give you five minutes to top it, okay? God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. You got five minutes. Come up with something better than that. I turned around and walked, walked away, and they're, they're talking to each other, and and then they finally looked at me like, come back. And I, I walked back and they said, we don't have anything. I said, and you know why? Because it's the truth. The truth sets people free. And Catholics have to stop being afraid of the truth that people are dying for. So I said, let's take the second one. Sin has royally screwed up people's lives. Top that. And don't use the word boo-boo. <laughs> we don't have anything better. I said, that's what I thought. And you know why? Because it's the truth. Let's do the third one. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. Top that. And they said, we can't. I said, I know. And you know why? And they said, because it's the truth. I said, guys... This is the truth. We don't have anything else. We don't have anything else to 
offer the world that's going to change their lives and to change our country and to change our children's future and our grandchildren. We don't have anything else. Bingo's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. It's fun. I've won a few things. Got a whole talk on that. But this is a, these things are all good. You know what I'm saying. I'm not putting them down in any, in any way. But we're called to share the good news. And, the, and, and what I would say with, with all the passion that I could muster in myself is, guys, we don't have another message. We don't have another message. This is the message that we've been given. This is what we're called to share with the world. This is what will set them free. And if we will do this and share, the Holy Spirit will confirm the message in their heart and you will see amazing things happen like you read about in the Bible. Just a couple of years ago, I was in Philadelphia. I'll give you an example. I was in Philadelphia a couple of years ago and uh, all the outsiders, like us from Minnesota, and there was a lot from Wisconsin, we went to Philadelphia. And it was our Ascension Press yearly meeting. And so it's like three days. And so we're staying at a hotel. And after the first day, about 25 people were in the hotel. And we all went down to the patio. And people were down there having uh, you know, a glass of wine, a cigar, smoking their pipes and, and talking. And uh, I'm a disciple. <laughs> I love saying that. I am a disciple of Jesus. And I'm sitting on the couch talking to the, my friends there. And as a disciple, I'm always aware of my surroundings. How many of you men go to a restaurant and sit with your back to the middle of the room? There's not many men that do it. Men walk into a restaurant. I'm not saying you're not a man if you don't. There's a, you got a problem, but I'm not saying you're not a... You, you walk into a restaurant. Most men will walk in there and they look around. And they like to sit with their back. They want to see what's happening and they protect their families, right? Well, I'm a disciple. And so when I walk into a place, I'm always looking around, you know, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm listening and so forth. So we're sitting there and I looked over like this. I looked over just like that. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw two women on two couches down listening to us. All I did was I did this. I'm talking to my friends and my friends, and I just went like this and continued to talk. That's all I did. Now, don't try that on your own. I'm a professional, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to be responsible for you, you know. And so I just look, and I'm not stupid. They're listening to us. Wow. So we continued talking. And then about 20 minutes later, I looked over at the corner of my eye. They're sitting on the couch next to us, and they're listening. I mean, it's time to wake up, right? So it came time that a lot of people said, well, I'm going to go up to my room now. We'll get to see you guys tomorrow. I said, fine. Now it's my time. I'm the disciple. I'm the one that is called to share the gospel. They have already sent me signs that they're listening and they're interested, right? Yeah. So what did I do? And this is one of those things, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it as it happened. And then I will repeat in slow motion. Okay? Just so, and if you get this on video, you might want to watch this like, you know, four or five times. Just to, okay, so everyone's leaving, and then I did this. I turned and looked and said, 
So what brings you ladies to Philadelphia? <laughs> I learned that in graduate school. <laughs> I'm going to do it now slower, okay? <laughs> what brings you ladies to Philadelphia? <laughs> and you know what they said? Oh, we're... um. Yeah, we're here for a Melaleuca convention. I was going to say, what kind of cult is that? <laughs> Melaleuca. And I said, what is, th what is that? And they said, oh, it's this it's healing juice or something from a cactus. Or, and you can put it in everything, you know, and it's really good for you. And I, and I said, oh, wow. And they said, what do you guys do? Like they didn't know. I said, what do you guys do? And I said, I said, well, we are, um, uh, I'm a Bible teacher and uh, for uh, uh, Ascension Press. And we, we put out materials to help people to come to know Christ and to grow in Christ uh, in the Catholic Church. And she said, and this is exactly what she said. She said, her whole, whole demeanor changed. You're Catholic? <laughs> and I said, Yes. And she said this, and I am not exaggerating. She looked and she said, you're Catholic? And I said, yes. You couldn't get me into a Catholic church. I'm like, hello, what's your name? You know, have we introduced ourselves to each other? She said, you couldn't get me into a Catholic church. And I said, why is that? She said, well, number one, the priest scandal. So many people have been hurt these days. You couldn't get me into a Catholic church. I wouldn't have my children in the Catholic church. And I said, okay. She said, and besides that, you guys made up this whole thing about the papacy just so you could control people. Man, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and number three, she said, and you got all this art in Rome. You could sell it for probably a few billion dollars and you could feed the poor. But no. You know, you got to make money off that too. I'm like, wow, where do I start? And I said, wow. Huh. And now at that point, I have a choice. I know in my heart that her problem is not the art in Rome. That's not her problem. Her problem is she doesn't know Jesus. Most likely. I'm not going to be a final judge on that. But most likely, she doesn't know Jesus. Now I have an opportunity, and I can either start and whittle away at these three topics for the next two hours, or I can share with her the truth. Now, if I shared for three hours, let's say, two or three hours about those three things, how many of you think that after three hours she would say, now I'm ready, I'll be Catholic? It's not the problem. She's angry. She's hurting. She's, she's, you know, she's heard stories or whatever. So I'm not going to do that. So I said to her, and I'll call her, I'll call her Helen, okay? I said, I said what, what's your name? She goes, I'm Helen. And her friend told me her name. And I said, you know, I get you. I get you. I know what it must look like sometimes, you know, when people fail and there's moral failures and so forth. And I, I, I get you there. Can I just tell you what's happened in my life? I said, Jesus has really changed my life. He's really changed my life. 
And uh, I was 18 years old. I didn't know where I was going in life at all. I was partying. I was backstage with rock and roll groups, covering them for, you know, papers. And, and I, was, I was feeling depressed and anxious. And I started asking God, who are you? And a lady at school told me about Jesus. And she started to talk to me about Jesus. And I realized, and I wrapped this up really quick. I said, I realized that Jesus was the answer in my life. And I, I gave my life to him. And I realized he had a, a plan for my life. Her face started changing. As I said, God loved me. He had a plan for my life. And I said, and he loves you. He loves you. And he has a plan for your life as well. I could see the face change. And what's happening? I am speaking to her, but the Holy Spirit is doing an inside job. I have a good friend, that singer, Dion the Wanderer, run around Sue. He's a friend, he's a friend of mine. He has an album called Inside Job. It's a Christian album. It's a good one. And so the Holy Spirit is doing an inside job on her as I am telling her the truth. That, and I said, God loves you and has an amazing plan for you. But you know what, Helen? Bingo. You, I didn't say bingo. I, I said, you have hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. Sin screws up our life. Screwed my life up. I've got people that screwed their life up. Marriages, children, lose your job. Guys go to a strip club and get caught. Marriage falls apart. Yeah, I know. I've heard it, and I know. And that's the problem is that sin messes up our life. And she is now just sitting there listening to me. And I said, but here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus died for you, you and me, and all the people you were talking about. And all he's asking us to do is completely, just radically reorient our life to him. He has a plan for us. At that point, she is just like this. And I looked at her and I said, Helen, let me ask you a question. If, if you could ask God for anything, anything today, what would you ask God for? And here's what she did. She looked at me and her bottom lip started quivering and her chin started quivering. And she looked and she looked over at her friend and she looked back at me and all of a sudden tears started just coming down her face and she said, I just want to be happy. I said, so do I. So do I. And that's what we're all looking for, isn't it? And Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. We ended up talking for about another 20 minutes or so and they had to go. And the next morning I was sitting in the foyer of the, of the hotel and she came down the stairs with some guy and she came down and she walked over and she said to the guy, that's the guy that told me about Jesus last night. And she said, are you guys going to be out there again tonight? And I said, mm-hmm. I didn't know if we were, but I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, can I join you? I said, absolutely. That night she came down and we st started talking more and more about Jesus. And I said, let me ask you a question, Helen. Where are you from? 
She said, oh, I'm, I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> I said, really, me too, where? Uh, Bloomington. I, Helen, I grew up in Bloomington. Hubert Olson, junior high. Yeah, yeah, what, what, what street do you live on? She told me, I said, oh my gosh, I'm on the next street over. That's where I grew up. And I said, Helen, if, when you get back to Minnesota, if my wife and I invited you to church with us on Sunday, would you come? You know what she said? I'd be happy to. Less than 24 hours from angry as, as, as ever at me to I'll go to church with you. And I not one verse, not one Latin word, no backwards novenas that night or anything else. It was just the truth that I told her, and the Holy Spirit worked on her heart. Just three days ago, I was in front of Starbucks, and I was doing a video for the Revelation study, as like a, an advertisement for the Revelation study. And I'm, I'm doing it, and this guy comes walking right up to the camera. And I'm doing this, join me, you know, the, the coming up this fall of Revelation study at the Catechetical Institute in the seminary of St. Paul. And there he is, he walks right. And I stop to like, look at him. And he says, now he's the one that starts this. He said, are you running for office? <laughs> I said, yes. He said, what are you running for? I said, president. He said, no. I said, no. I said, I said, what's your name? See, it's questions. It's questions. It's questions. What's your name? Stephen. Stephen. Hmm. Well, what I'm doing is I'm actually going to be uh, teaching the book of Revelation. Ooh, he says, Revelation. Mark of the beast and everything, huh? And I said, everything. Yep. 666. It's all going to be there. And I want to... I want to tell you who the, who, who the beast was in the book of Revelation. I, I want to invite you to my, my Bible study. And I said, Stephen, tell me, how are you doing in life right now? That's all I said. How are you doing in life right now? And he goes, well, I suppose it could be better. I said, how are you doing with uh, your relationship with God? He said, that could be better. He said, I, I sent my girls to De La Salle High School. And uh, I said, so did I. Well, I ended up talking to him for half an hour and got his number and sent him a note and we're gonna to get together. It's so easy, it's so easy. Now let me, I know you guys are getting ready to get me out of here, so let me share this to this part of the room. <laughs> now, you all know what the kerygma is now, right? It is so simple. And you can tell people the truth, knowing the Holy Spirit will be working with you. And once you impact someone's life, you can invite them to church. You be an RCIA sponsor. You bring them to Christ. Have your, your church has 25, 30. There's a church in Texas that had 70 people come into the church. That they were out telling people, we want to invite you. And they started up in the RCIA program. But I told you, you know, I told you you're never gonna forget that word kerygma, ever. And I'll tell you why here in just a second. You'll never forget kerygma. But before I do that, how many of you know 
Who is the number one man in American history to bring people to Christ? That's right, Billy Graham. Billy Graham was the number one guy in America that brought people to Christ. And do you know that in his talks, he talked a little bit about science and biology and history and politics, but every talk he gave was structured with the kerygma. Now the kerygma is not Protestant. The kerygma is not Catholic. The kerygma is the gospel. It's the truth and we have it. And he would stand up there in a stadium of 25,000 people. And you know what he sounded like, right? Have you ever imagined a Catholic Billy Graham? <laughs> He'd get up there and he stood in that stadium and he said, now listen for the kerygma, he said, God loves you and God has a plan for your life. But I'm here to tell you that sin has destroyed lives, broken marriages, crushed individuals. But the good news is that Jesus Christ died for you and you and you. I'm going to ask you today to repent and to give your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you to come forward and stand right here and pray with me. And I'm going to pray for you that you be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And once we pray for you, I have a rosary and some holy water and a... No, he didn't say that, did he? But what did he do? He did nothing but the kerygma. And what happened? 10,000 people came forward crying, knowing God loves me. I need God. He has a plan for my life. See, this is what we're called to do. And, and I, I know I'm strong in this, but receive it. Receive as much as you can of this. Uh, chew the straw, spit out the sticks. Okay. But here's how we're going to never forget. Okay. How many of you have ever had a cup of coffee from a Keurig machine? You know what I'm talking about? The K-cups, the Keurig machine? Everybody say Keurig. Keurig. Okay. Now, who's the mother of evangelization? Mary. Mary, but you can call her Ma. Ma. So let's do this. This side of the room, you, you, guys, you guys say Keurig when I tell you to, and you guys are going to say Ma, okay? Keurig. Keurig. One more time. Okay, now we're going to do something difficult. We're going to switch, okay? Now, you guys have the first part. Now, all together. Let's say a little faster. You got it. Kerygma. Kerygma. And get this. Here's my prayer. That every time you see a Keurig machine, I will be in your head and I will not leave you alone. I will bother you. I will hunt you down and I will remind you to brew up a cup of good news for the people that you are with. That's what my prayer is going to be for you.